from Wakefield, it's the Nolan Car Night Show. I'm going to join Nolan and this guest this week, Associate Head Coach Jeff Battle to the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Nolan. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the show. And joining me this week, a legend of the basketball world, not just in Philadelphia, but here in Rhode Island, across the country as well. It's a huge pleasure and honor to talk to one of the top coaches, not just as an assistant, but coaches in general, in college <clears throat> basketball today. He has had loads of experience at several different colleges. It is my pleasure again to have the coach himself, Jeff Battle. Jeff, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I uh, appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to it. Well, of course, anyone to uh, to, to have someone who, who coaches here in Rhode Island and who co- who played from in Philadelphia with the URI legend being Horace Pappy Owens is, is, a, is a big <laughs> treat. So uh, thanks again. I, I want to sort of start like this and then get it out of the way briefly. The last three years in your profession, and you've talked about this on other podcasts and other interviews, has been you know three years of, of craziness, wildness, and in uncertainty amongst everyone, not just the basketball world, which has been affected greatly. So now, three years later, obviously, before we got going here quickly, mentioning the season starting soon, what's it like to sort of have all the craziness in the quote-unquote rearview mirror? Uh, well, it's, it's good. You know, it's, you know, obviously, you know, the main thing is the main thing, obviously, with the, with the season and the basketball. But, you know, to get through some trying times and still kind of weather the storm a little bit uh, is refreshing. And, um, you know, we're, we're just glad that stuff's a little bit behind us, obviously. <laughs> um, to put, you know, smiles on people's faces and get back to doing what, what everybody loves to do. Well, and I'm sure it's a great um, feeling, I, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, seeing as you coach at the school, that season tickets for the Dunkin' Donuts Center for the, the, uh, were, were sold out pretty quickly. So that must uh, be a good feeling to know that fans are eagerly waiting to get back for another great year. Yeah, it was, it was great to have the fan support we had last year. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, the, the dunk, uh, it's now the amp, obviously, yeah. but uh, the dunk last year was, was electric. The students were were unbelievable and uh, it makes a big difference you know when you walk sure, into sure. the arena you know for warm-ups and, and the crowd's all jacked up and um, we we you know that's our goal we want to we want that place to be rocking we want to be one of the toughest places to play in the country without a doubt exactly i'm always curious to hear the answer when i uh, of those who i have on as as guests to this next question so i'll ask you this what's one thing jeff battle has learned about himself over the last three years that i didn't know about himself prior um Probably patience, um, that I could be a lot uh, more patient than I was in the past. Um, you know, obviously, the experience helps. You know, having experience to be around the game as long as I have has helped as well. But, you know, I think the older you get, the more, the more patient you get. Um, you have to change with the times. You know, the, 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 you know, the players are different a little bit now. The errors are different. Uh, keeping up with them and the social media and all that. So it's, it's – uh, I would say being more patient, you know, I've learned, you know, that I can obviously um, do that as well as continue to be somewhat successful, you know, within the business as well. Well, that's, you know, one positive thing that's come to the last, I I believe the last three years is the ability to really refine skills of things that you didn't appreciate prior to that. I'm sure just walking into the practice Mm -hmm. facility or into at the time, the Dunkin' Donuts Center, where like I can at least be in here. Now you're back at it. Now you can appreciate the smaller things in life, mentioning I mentioned in the intro your success as a coach. Every stop you've you've been at, that sort of I'm sure has a thing to do with the success you had as a player at Marshall as as well. But 
prior to going to Marshall and maybe during your time at Dobbins Tech and as a kid prior to that, your relationship with basketball, not just athletically, but post, uh, you know, maybe high school, what was it? Well, you know, growing up in Philly, you know, um, basketball is, is, you know, is, is very popular there. Yeah. Uh, you know, growing up um, within the inner city uh, and playing the game. And then, um, you know, obviously playing at Dobbins Tech, uh, as you alluded to with, uh, you know, the great Pappy Owens. I wasn't, wasn't as good a player as he was, but, um, you know, he was a great friend of mine. We still stay in touch to this day. But, you know, I would say just, you know, the relationships that we built, um, prior to post high school and stuff like that is something that uh, I'll always cherish and carry with me, you know, moving forward. So, you know, you never forget where you came from. You know, that's a big part of me and it's a big part of my journey um, growing up, like I said, in Philadelphia and, um, you know, having somewhat some success in what I'm doing now, but it always goes back to your roots and where you came from. Well, speaking of Owens, you know, both Philadelphia guys both played together. What was it like to experience a talent such as that as a fellow high schooler? I was, it was great. It was great. You know, he was a McDonald's All-American. He ended up being, you know, obviously a big-time a big player in high school um, and then going on and having a, you know, a great career and then playing at, at URI. Um, but he, he's a big part of why, a big reason, I should say, why I'm where I'm at now. Um, I wasn't. Um, very recruited out of high school and it just it was it was a fate thing where Marshall was coming to recruit him a little bit and they happened to see me you know during the course of the recruiting process and um, I didn't have anything out of high school at the end of my senior year and they kind of remembered you know back when they came to watch Pappy play and um, that's how the relationship started with me and Marshall so you know if it hadn't been for him and them coming to see him play um, you know I, I wouldn't have ended up there I wouldn't have ended up to you know having a chance to get into coaching and um, continue my playing career, let alone get into coaching. So, um, so that's kind of how that all played out. Well, I, I was curious about that then, you know, saying that you're a walk-on, um, um, compared to maybe other teams, you had, and maybe I'm wrong, certainly correct me if that mm -hmm. is, is the case, but I'm sure that gave you then a, a level of tenacity, but also motivation to sort of prove everyone wrong that didn't, weren't recruiting you. And the fact that you really want to, you know, be the top dog early on at Marshall to prove to prove the haters wrong. Yeah, for sure. You know, you go in and, you know, I was, you know, naive when I first got there. I was just trying to survive. You know, as a freshman, you don't know what you don't know. But uh, you're right. I, it, it was uh, in the summers I would go back home and play, you know, in the Philadelphia Summer Leagues. Uh, back then it was the Sunny Hill College League at the time. And uh, I remember playing there a couple of times and people even in the city were asking who I was. They didn't even remember who I was from high school. Um, so, you know, just to prove yourself on that level, you know, to have people say, wow, this, he's pretty good. Why, how did he get out of the city? Sure, you know, sure. where was this guy at? You know, he played at Diamonds. Why is he at one of the big five schools? So that was, uh, that made me feel good, to be honest with you, because, sure. you know, growing up uh, in Philly, I was a big, big, big Temple fan. I love John Chaney. Uh, he was one of my idols in coaching, and so I always looked up to him and, you know, the, the 5 a.m., 6 a.m. practices they used to have at Temple. Um, so I was a big, big John Chaney fan. I was a big Temple fan I, I, and, you know, followed the Big Five, and as I still do today. So, um, but, yeah, it, it, was, it was great to go back there to play in the summers uh, and kind of get some of that notoriety that I didn't get while playing in high school. Going from, I mean, Seeing as though, you know, walking on to Marshall, what was your conversation like once you were on the team with Coach Z about 
what they expected from you as a player, but then also what you wanted to provide for the team your freshman year? Well, when I got there, he, you know, he didn't promise me anything. Even before I got there, he said, you know, I really liked watching you play in high school, but I don't have a scholarship. Uh, would you be willing to come your own your first year on your own? And then we'll kind of figure it out from there. And, um, you know, once I, you know, finally made the team, you know, that was, uh, you know, that was one of the highlights of my life. Um, when he called me, and I never forget when he called me in his office and, you know, he sat, he sat me down in his office. And, um, you know, again, I'm there, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm saying, what, what's going on here? And he, saw, he asked me what number did I want? And I was just so nervous. I thought he meant like, what was my phone number? <laughs> and uh, he was like, no, 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 no. What, what uniform number do you want? And I said, um, 21. And he was like, congratulations. You know, you, you're on the team. You just earned your scholarship, you know, boom, boom, boom. So I was like, wow. So uh, ran out of there, went home back to my dorm and, and um, called my parents, told them, hey, look, we don't have to pay for school anymore. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a big moment. And I didn't have any expectations at all. I was just excited to get a scholarship. Um, but that summer I went home and I just, I just got after it. and worked my tail off. I came back in great shape, um, you know, end up my junior year. Um, being voted team captain my junior senior year playing two NCAA tournaments and um yeah it was great it was it, it was just uh I never thought that would happen but um, I'm very grateful for the people at Marshall and especially coach Z for giving me that opportunity well I'll get to that success which you had as a player similar to as a a, a coach your freshman year at, at Marshall the team is to my knowledge I don't know how relevant or um, credible basketball references but a guard heavy team your freshman year and there, there was a eight, there's a, what was that? I think it was a, it was an eight game win streak. You guys started off the season with eight out of 10 wins before the game against the Citadel. When you're experiencing things like that, a win streak, you get onto the team, finally get a Jersey, and then you experience maybe hardships with it. Maybe a few games you lose in a row. How do you handle that as a young player compared to then maybe uh, your first year as a head coach or as a, as a coach, I should say. Well, as a player, you know, you, you're under the microscope, obviously, you know, you lose games in a row. First thing you do is you look within, you know, like what am, what am I doing um, to contribute to this or uh, what can I do to help us, you know, moving forward to get out of the tailspin, um, you know, spending a lot of times with your position coaches, trying to figure out watching film. Uh, but it's, but it's, it's hard. It's really hard. Cause you can, it's a mental thing. You start, you know, just like you can get in the winning a habit of winning, you can get in the habit of losing. So uh, that's something that we didn't want to accept. And so I just wanted to, um, you know, I wasn't playing as much as a freshman. So I wanted to make sure I just pushed the guys and make sure they were ready come game night uh, to be the best they can be, you know, just uh, just as a player to help the sure. team. So. That, that offseason, although, you know, you guys lose to East Tennessee State in the conference tournament, your mindset heading into the following season to now you're now, you don't have to worry about losing your spot on the team and scholarship. What was your mindset heading into that and your, your realistic expectations? Well, I remember after the season, Coach Z um, calling me in and saying, hey, look, Jeff, I want you to come back and I want you to be in the best shape of your life. And, you know, just pour everything you have into this offseason. Try to make yourself the best player you can be coming back. And that's what I did. So when I came back, it was like I felt like I was a – I was a guy now. I wasn't just a sure. walk on. I was a key member of the team. Um, you know, I played a little bit, but I had a taste of it. And I knew, I knew after that, um, knowing that I could play, that I could play at this level and I could be really successful. So 
had a lot of confidence and, you know, in the way we played, you know, pushing the ball. And um, I just felt really comfortable, you know, that next year. And so I, I knew I was going to eventually have some success, uh, you know, with the team. That year, the team, although your freshman year, you guys do well, just the same, but the, the sophomore year, you do even better. You know, you're second in the conference of, of the Southern Conference, a 20 and eight record, 13 three in the conference. When you have that success early on, you're playing a little bit more. How do you deal with that, but also in the sense of, you know, being able to predict some sort of success? Well, you can't, you can't get content. You know, you got to, you know, great players. I always say great players are greedy. They want more. When you get yeah. a taste of it, you want to, you know, you want to keep it rolling. You want to keep getting better. You want to keep getting better. And so, you know, I, I, you know, everybody aspires to be a starter. And, um, you know, I really wanted to be a starter, you know, a starter on, on the team. But again, you know, my thing was I wanted to help us win and whatever I could do to contribute to winning, that's what I was willing to do. But, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said that I didn't want to start, didn't want to be a vital, um, you know, member of the team in terms of contributing to winning because I felt like I could really help us, uh, you know, win games. That year, although you guys have a good record, there wasn't an NCAA appearance, although, you know, success just the same. What do you think needed to happen in order to make that next jump up to the um, big dance that sophomore year? Belief, just belief. You know, we were, you know, Marshall, you know, wasn't, you know, in the Southern Conference. You know, we were working our way up and, and kind of just building our name, putting it out there. Um, but I could feel the change. I could feel the momentum starting to change in the culture. Um, with the attendance, people coming to the games, the environment that we had at the, at the Henderson Center. Um, and it was becoming one of the tougher places to play within the conference. So I can kind of feel it, you know, and, and we're bringing in, you know, a lot of good players, um, you know, so I could just feel the, the whole vibe changing. And once you get that and you get the support and, um, you know, the whole town, the whole city of Huntington kind of rallied behind us, which was, which was really cool. Um, and so we started to take off, you know, after that. The following your junior year, on top of becoming captain, which you would have so, uh, senior as well, new, uh, Coach Z is out and Coach Huckabee is in. What was that vibe change like between both coaches, but then also to be offered that position that position as captain with a new coach? Well, it showed that he really believed in me. You know, he hadn't recruited me. Um, he came in with a new staff, um, different style, different philosophy. Um, but he was very, very confident. And, you know, he instilled that confidence in me. And, and just from watching on film, he said to me, he said, man, the way I play, um, the way you push the ball, the way you can see the floor, you know, we're going we're gonna to kind of, you know, get in your shoes and roll with you. You know, we're going to let you play. We're going to let you, you know, play up tempo, do your thing. Um, you know, and I, you know, I was, I had a little bit of Philly style in me. You know, I could, you know, do some things that would, you know, maybe turn some heads or whatever. <laughs> I would, you know, have a few turnovers here and there, but. Um, for the most part, it was a fun style, and, and I really, really was attracted to his style of play, and it was a fit right out of the, right, right, right from the beginning. But I think the biggest thing was the trust that he had in me right out of the gate. There was a game right before New Year's Eve against fifth-ranked Georgetown that season that they would uh, beat you guys. Although you guys would win the regular season championship and then the conference championship and be uh, big, the, uh, the big dance bound, what separated, do you think, that junior year team between – uh, fifth ranked Georgetown then? Talent and depth. We, we had, you know, we were, we were talented one through 13. I mean, our practices were, were, were 
harder than some of the games. We, we got after it. I mean, the first team and the second team was very competitive. And, you know, we just felt like we could play with anybody, you know. And in that Georgetown game, obviously, you know, with Patrick Ewing and those guys, like you said, even though we lost the game, it showed that we can play with, you know, anyone in the country. And so, um, you know, that's what separated us. I just think we were we were fearless. We were, you know, we had some swag to us. And, and uh, like I said, I think that kind of permeated from the coaching staff. They just instilled that in us that we weren't going to back down from anybody. We we're going to compete at a high level. Uh, and that's what uh, that's what eventually took place. You know, I, I've been fortunate enough to have guys from the Sweet 16, one guy from the Elite Eight team here at URI down um, South County, and they sort of talked about the confidence that they had, you know, throughout the season and then heading into postseason to when they had all that success. After the regular season ended, where was the team's mind at in terms of what damage they could do come postseason play? Very confident, um, you know, very confident. So, again, we, we just had a bunch of guys who believed. And, you know, uh, like I said, one through 13, anybody could play. But the buy-in was unbelievable because any one of us could start, any one of us could come off the bench, play starter minutes. Um, no one really cared. We just wanted to win. And, and once you, you taste that, it just snowballs. And so, uh, and the other thing with that team, too, that, was really unique was just the chemistry off the floor. You know, we had some unique personalities and um, we were fun loving, you know, we, you know, on the bus, on the planes, uh, you know, in the community, you know, everybody kind of took to each other. And um, I think that was a big, had played a big part in our chemistry on the court as well. That conference tournament, you end up winning, as I mentioned, you beat Chattanooga in overtime. I think it was 111 to 107. Each game of that conference tournament for you guys, the score gets progressively co closer to then that overtime game. Like, like I said, how do you, how do you deal with that as a young athlete, as a young player to sort of, you know, have your own confidence, of course, but then also the, the game is getting close and the skill level is getting more even. Yeah, that, that was one of the best games I've ever probably played in ever. I mean, I think it might've been three overtimes, I think, or something like that. Um, and the thing I remember the most, uh, Nolan was, it was at the Asheville civic center. And it was, it was mainly all green. I mean, the people just came out in droves from Huntington to support us. So it was, uh, it was a big time atmosphere and a big time game. Um, and I was fortunate enough to play well in that. And it's, it's funny because somebody was telling me this the other day, um, this was my birthday last week yeah. and a couple of Marshall people had reached out to me. And one of them referred to me as Mr. Asheville. <laughs> And uh, I'm like Mr. Asheville, but he was referring to the tournament in Asheville, and I always played well in the tournament. So he kind of called me Mr. Asheville. And after all these years, you know, he still remembered that. But that's because of the magnitude of the game. It was sure. it was a big time game, and um, that that's that's I'll never forget that game forever. Just because uh, how much energy it took, the grit it took, um, you know, persistence. You know, every both teams were dragging and dying and tired, but Nobody wanted to give up, and uh, we were, were fortunate enough to uh, to prevail in that game. But it was one of the the best games I've ever been a part of. You guys then play Villanova in the first round, the the big dance. Compared to maybe um, as a coach, maybe when you got to become assistant here at, um, or at PC for the first time, how did you how did you prepare then? You know, playing against Villanova without looking too far advanced and getting over too overconfident. 
Well, I wasn't going to let us do that anyway, you know, with the Philly connection. You know, I was yeah. excited to get a chance to play against, you know, Villanova. Um, they had a great team that year. Um, but uh, again, they, you know, they end up beating us. But, you know, again, I thought we, we accounted for ourselves well. They, they were terrific that year. They, they had a bunch of terrific players. They were hard to guard and they got after you defensively as well. But I think that we learned a lot from that game moving forward, you know, going into the following year. And, um, you know, again, when you play those kind of games, it's, it's, it's competitive, but it's also a learning experience. But, you know, again, I, I just felt like that game got us to the point where we started believing once again that we could be, you know, a consistent player in the postseason, in postseason play. Sure. You know, there's one thing to have individual success, but then to have success between two coaches, regular season, conference championship, cleaning house, making the big dance, and your own statistics moving up consistently each of the first three years you're there. How do you find as a player, but also as a team, room to continue to succeed and do even better than the previous success? Well, um, I think it comes back to, you know, not being content. You know, and, you know, even though I had had some success individually, I felt like I got better every year I was there and I wanted to continue that, but also challenge my teammates to continue to get better as well. And, um, you know, and our coaching staff did a great job of that. They were, they were on us all the time to get better, um, you know, individually, you know, it's always, it's a, it's a team game, but it's played by individuals. So if you get better with your game individually, it's just going to make the group better. And so I, I think we really did that. We got after it in the summer, pushed each other. Like I said, our pickup games in the summer were intense. And, um, you know, we held each other accountable. All four years of, of being there, you find success. Senior year, you're captain again. You then you repeat as conference championships, and then you end up making it to the big dance yet again against Virginia. Making that run to the, to the playoffs again, how much, how much importance was that to you compared to your junior year? Um, it was, it was similar, you know, we had some of the same guys, but again, I was more of a, in putting a leadership role, being a senior, yeah. um, and you always want to go out, you know, with a bang your senior year. And, um, you know, that was the big thing for us. We had, I think we had four or five seniors who all wanted to go out the right way. And that was kind of the, the, the message, if you will, the motivational factor was to try to, you know, obviously win your conference tournament if you can win that but get back to the tournament but again this time try to advance in the tournament yeah. not just be content with being there and so that was the driving force you know for the whole for the whole season to be honest with you after your college career you know comes to a close and your best playing career comes to a close you then transition to coaching which will you know start to get into now how mm -hmm. much of your early experiences as, as a coach did you try to instill your success as a player into guys that you were around the same age with? And was that difficult to do? Not really, because I've always saw the game, like I said, through obviously being a point guard, you see the game, you know, almost like a coach on the floor. And to be honest with you, my junior year, after my junior year, that's when I really realized that I wanted to go into coaching. Right. I knew I wasn't going to play in the NBA. Um, you know, I had some opportunities to play overseas, but I knew in my heart I wanted to get into coaching, and this is what I really wanted to do. Didn't know if it would be college, didn't know if it would be high school, but I knew that's the route I wanted to go in. And so when I got an opportunity to do that and work 
as a grad assistant, I was close to those guys' aides, but I still um, was able to implant some of my knowledge on those guys and just kind of, you know, let them know what I knew, what how I saw the game, what worked for me, how you should carry yourself, what you should look for on the floor. Um, and for the most part, most of the guys were, you know, very, very appreciative of that and, and accepting of that. Well, that's, you know, a, a big thing, because I'm sure that could be difficult for some people in that situation to be two or three or four years within the same age as someone and sort of having to take that, you know, bigger leadership position than being a captain and on a team between, you know, your brief experience at Delaware and then at Loyola, mm -hmm. what did you carry from you from Coach Z and Coach Huckabee at Marshall, maybe even your high school coach that you brought into your earlier experiences as, as an assistant coach? The biggest thing was um, discipline, um, accountability. Uh, and But the main thing I think is organization, being organized. Um, and, and I think players see that. They see when you're organized, they see um, they hold you accountable to what you know. Being able to present it to the players as well was another thing that I carried over. Um, you know, Coach Z was extremely organized. And, and you know, obviously I, I took some of that with him. I'm a very organized, detailed guy. Um, and then Coach Huckabee was a, was a master motivator, you know. And so he had a way of getting you to play beyond what you probably felt you could. And so those, those are just a few of the things that I took with me from those two guys in particular. Uh, early on when I first got into the business. At some point, I'm sure you're starting to have dreams of being at a big time school and maybe even becoming a head coach or an associate head coach. Between Xavier and, and Wake Forest, you spent a combined nearly 20 years. What did that mean to you, not just in terms of your own confidence, but the ability that these other you know, ADs and other coaches had in you to want, want them to be part of organizations for so long? Well, it's funny how it ended up though, Nolan. I, I really didn't want to get into college coaching. That wasn't my plan at first. Um, I just wanted to be a high school coach and a guidance counselor. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to meet with a coach who, um, Coach Jeff Jones, who was at Delaware State at the time. And um, he told me, he watched me, he watched our team practice one time, my high school team. And he said, man, he said, he introduced himself to me and he came up to me and said, you, you're really good at what you do. One day you, you're going to be a hell of a college coach you know, that kind of thing. And that kind of trickled in the back of my head. And so, you know, when the opportunities came about, you know, obviously I took it and ran with it, but, um, you know, that again, I, I just kind of was, was, was fortunate enough to get with coach Prosser, uh, when we, when I was at Loyola and college in Baltimore, and then we obviously went to Xavier and he's the one that kind of took me under his wing, taught me the ropes, taught me how to recruit, taught me the business, college basketball, um, and I just kind of took that and ran with it, you know, based on what the knowledge that I got from him. Well, speaking of Skip, which I wanted to get to, and rest in peace to him, certainly, the, you, you coached with them at several different institutions over a long period of time. Yep. What was that like in terms of seeing his perception and, and his, you know, understanding and acceptance of your quality as a coach? Well, like you said, rest in peace, coach. Um, he, he's one of the most influential people in my life. Um, he believed in me, gave me an opportunity, like I said before, and just the fact that he believed that much in me to show that much confidence in me, um, allowed me to be the man and the coach that I am today. So there's no way I would not, I would be here, you know, coaching right now if it wasn't for him. He, you know, taught me how to carry myself as a man, taught me how to treat people with respect. Um, 
while maintaining, you know, your dignity throughout this business. Sure. And so I'm forever grateful for him, you know, for, you know, giving me that knowledge and, and um, again, just basically believing in me, to be honest with you. Sure. I, I've talked to you or I talk, asked you about your success as a player and then transitioning to coaching and you spent years at several institutions for a long period of time. But besides, I mean, in, in all honesty, what does it mean to you to be have your name attached to several top 10, top 15 recruiting classes, but then also players like, you know, CP3 and players of that nature, Jeff T that, you know, have found success post-college. I mean, does it hold a sense of pride to you that you're able to accomplish that? Exactly. Yeah, it, it is. It's, uh, it's very, very uh, humbling, if, if you will, just to be involved in those young men's lives. And, you know, the fact that they, they all had great careers, I'm really happy for them. And, um, you know, they did the work. I always tell people all the time, obviously, you know, I was fortunate enough to help recruit those guys and coach them and, and hopefully give them a blueprint to what it takes to get to that level. But I'm more proud of those guys of the people that they've become. You know, the way they, you know, they, the way they represent themselves, where they carry themselves, the way they, um, you know, do things in their communities, just, just the, the people that they've become. And to me, um, being in it as long as I can't uh, have been, that's, that's bigger to me. It's, it's bigger than basketball. So I'm, I'm proud of, and, and not just the guys like Chris and Jeff, who, you know, have had stellar NBA careers and Chris is still doing it, but you know, other guys too, who I've coached through the years, who are just successful businessmen and people and working, um, family men. So that's why I really do what I do, to be honest with you. And, you know, power to you for, for it being that reason, because obviously the success is great. The awards is, is great as well. The longevity at schools is great. But, you know, to provide an impact, you know, off the court that lasts a, a lifetime is certainly the most important of it all, you spent you know over a decade, over uh, almost a decade and a half at Wake Forest before coming to PC. How are you able? And you know, don't, obviously, don't have to go into specifics if you can't. But how do you come to grips knowing that that chapter of your life at Wake Forest it comes to a close before moving up to PC? Well, it was it was a it was a difficult transition to be honest with you. Um, I spent 13 great years there at Wake with phenomenal people. Um, you know, my wife is from North Carolina. Wake Forest is in North Carolina. Um, you know, my son was in high school there. I met a lot of great people there and they were really, really supportive of me. And, um, you know, I did something there that that's very rare for a college assistant. You know, I was there for, for three different head coaches um, through their tenures. And so, you know, that alone shows that, um, you know, what that school, that institution thought of me, you know, as a person. So I'm, I'm very proud of that. And I'm proud of what we accomplished at Wake Forest. Um, so, you know, having been there so long, you know, the first, when I knew I was going to come to Providence, you know, it was an adjustment. Sure. Um, but fortunately, you know, you don't get a chance to work with one of your, your best friends in life either. And I've known Coach Cooley for over 25 years. So the opportunity to come here and work with him, has been awesome. And, you know, the way that people here in Providence and Friartown have welcomed me, you know, has been special as well. So I'm blessed to be at, you know, I've been at two great places and obviously I'm still here now and sure. there's still work to do, but um, it's all about the people, you know, and the people sure. of Friartown are special. So um, I say all the time, I'm, I'm blessed. You know, before you, you got to P or the year prior, you got to PC, Cooley wins a, 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 has success that year before you get there and you guys have that first run. 
of um, NCAA tournament appearances and, and so forth. Besides, of course, the, the wonderful weather that is during the wintertime in Rhode Island and, and, <laughs> Coach, and Coach Cooley, what else uh, uh, spoke out or stuck out to you about coaching at PC? Um, the people. And it was a lot. It's very similar to Wake. And so they're both small schools, um, great academic institutions. Um, and I've always, you know, I've kind of flourished in those type of situations, those environments. But when I got here and I, you know, obviously I knew Coach Cooley, but when I met the people, uh, you know, Mr. Driscoll, who was the AD at the time, just kind of, you know, he's been more like a mentor to me and, and, and that kind of thing. So his experience in the business as well, uh, along with my friendship with Coach Cooley, um, was a very, very, very big attraction to me. Um, I felt like I was in good hands here. I felt like they cared about me, you know, not just for what I could bring in terms of the coaching, but for who I was at my core. Sure. Um, you know, I'm a big people person. And so uh, that was really important to me as well. So uh, I felt really good about that. And it's all, you know, come to fruition. It's all been true. It's been great. It's been a great experience for me, um, you know, personally. Sure. The first four years you're there, as I mentioned, there are big dance appearances each of those years. How do you describe that sudden success upon your journey at, at PC? And how do you prepare for that? Well, you know, the one thing is it's, it starts at the top. Again, like I said, you know, the leadership that we have here. Um, and then Coach Cooley, you know, he's, you know, I want to say a perfect fit. Nothing's really perfect, but he's a, I don't know if you can find a better fit for Providence College than, than Ed Cooley. And so you tie that in with the commitment from the top, um, the facilities that they provided, um, you know, his, his coaching, you know, pedigree what he brings to the table in terms of a coach, the respect he has nationally, it's only a matter of time before you can, you know, start translating what's going to happen. And I think we're, sure. we've had some success here, but I still think um, the best is yet to come. Exactly. That's the mindset you want to have. In 2021, after a handful of years as assistant coach, you, you are ascending to associate head coach with Ed Cooley and Ed Cooley staff. What did, I mean, you make, you know, a college team, you, you have success there, then you become a coach and have success there. But mm -hmm. to become an associate head coach, what did that mean to you in, in terms of not just at PC, but someone having the confidence in you to take on that role? It means a lot. Again, it, it's, it's, uh, it means a lot in the fact that, uh, you know, they, they, they recognize what you've done, um, you know, the, the work you've put in. And, you know, I've always said, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, the most winningest assistant coach ever. I haven't, you know, won a Final Four, a national championship. I, I just want my legacy, if you will, if you can call it that. I just want to be one of the best people um, to ever coach, sure. one of the best people. And so I want people to say when I'm done, you know, man, Jeff Battle was a, was a really good coach, but man, was he a good person. He was a great dude. And so if I can accomplish that, then, you know, with the success that my, my players have had, uh, making them successful in life again that's that's really important to me and that's all I really really thrive for last year obviously the the historic season that your team has what was the, the mindset but also game plan heading into it because obviously you can't predict oh yeah we're going to make this big run but you have the confidence I'm sure how mm -hmm. do you guys put that together as a coaching staff that make that come to fruition it all started I thought uh in the summer you know, this past summer, we had a good nucleus coming back. 
We're an old, older team, um, but the additions of, of Al Durham uh, and Justin Manaya coming in in the summer, it just really clicked. I mean, it was like a, you know, a, a hand in a glove. Those guys got on campus and the chemistry just clicked. And I think the coaching staff just looked at each other and said, man, we, we really can have something special here because they're good players, yes, but they're also good people. Um, and when you bring good people in and they don't have agendas and everybody, you know, is all in for the common cause of winning, you know, you have a chance to be special. And we, we just felt like with our chemistry, you know, I'm not saying we thought we would have, the, you know, the 16 and the run and all that that we had, but we knew um, we had a chance to do some special things here. You know, throughout that time and others who have had on their uh, former coaches, at, but also former players talking and those who have had win streaks talked about or asked them about maintaining that confidence, but also composure when all that success is coming. And a lot of those guys that you or kids you have are still young guys, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. And the team is starting to creep into the top 25 into the top 20, 15, 10 highest of being eight. How do you, like, what do you share with those guys in order to make sure they are composed and not worrying and, and going crazy about, you know, what could happen if they don't keep that up? That's a good question. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really hard thing to do in this day and age, because, you know, we try to tell our guys to eliminate the outside noise. Um, and it's hard, you know, like you got Twitter, you got Instagram, you got all these things. And so when you're not playing well, you know, it can be a detriment because, you know, they get on there and they read negative comments about themselves yeah. and then that creeps in. And then conversely, when you are doing well, they're telling you you're the greatest thing since Cheerios. Sure. And now we got to bring the egos down a little yeah. bit. So it's always, you know, checks and balances with that. But fortunately, we had an older, mature group and they kept the main thing, the main thing. And so it made our jobs a lot easier. But that's a great question. And that's the challenge of, of, uh, of what we do, to be honest with you. At the time of this recording, the season will be starting officially next week at the um, or at the formerly known as the Dunkin Donuts Center. You know, with what you've been able to achieve in previous years, how do you find the room or possibility of doing better, whether it be, you know, winning every, you know, regular season or, you know, conference championship or making it a further round into the big dance? Well, you have to be careful with that because everybody's going to want to compare this team starting this season with last year's team just based off the success. Um, and so you have to make sure you keep guys focused on the task at hand. And so the mantra I know as coaches, coaches speak is, is one game at a time. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of new moving pieces. We have eight new players, um, you know, five transfers and three freshmen. One of them was a redshirt freshman. So we're integrating a lot of new pieces and a lot of new players. Um, and so we're trying to get that chemistry that I alluded to earlier that the other group had. And so, you know, it's going to take some time, but, you know, we, we feel like we have some talented pieces um, and we feel like we can, you know, get to where we need to get to, but, you know, time will tell, but again, you know, we have to, we have to really take it with this group a game at a time, to be honest with you. I wanted to mention that bringing in, you guys did a superb job with that, you know, although you guys graduated, you know, key pieces to last year's team and the success that was that you guys were able to sort of reload very uh, over the course of that time to, to put in some new uh, pieces and some pieces that already had experience as a college player. How important was the transfer portal and picking up other players for a team like PC? Well, the transfer portal was huge for us. 
like you alluded to, losing so many players, um, it would be hard to continue to try to win at a high level with that many freshmen at one time in this day and age. It's just not, if you look around the country, um, there's very few true freshmen that are, you know, playing major minutes, you know, in winning programs. And so we've had a lot of success, you know, in the past year or so with the portal. Um, and you're right, we were fortunate enough to, and I think it's based on the success we had on the court, but also the success that we've had with transfers in the past. And so yeah. they, they were able to see what those guys were able to accomplish, um, how we utilize them, the opportunities that they had, um, the culture we provided for them. And so that's been a big selling point for us moving forward. Uh, and I think that was a big, um, you know, positive and, and allowed us to continue on that path you know, recruiting and bringing guys in from the portal. Well, I'm looking forward to the season and the, the continued success that not only you have, but the team has. And I'm also looking forward to the game right in my backyard, December 3rd against my, my alma mater, the URA Rams. And hopefully your team uh, doesn't beat up on them too much this upcoming season. Before we end here today, and again, coach, I want to express my sincere gratitude for you to want to do this. I want to end on a little segment called the one word challenge. So in this segment, what will happen is I'll throw up a few names of people, places, or things that have some connection to my guest this week being associate head coach, Jeff Battle. He has to do his best to say either a word or a sentence or two words, whatever it may be that best comes to mind. So coach, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Uh, Philadelphia. Love. Uh, Dobbins Tech. Special. Uh, yeah. Henderson, the, the uh, can Henderson Center. Memories. Uh, the Amica Mutual Pavilion. <laughs> Will rock. Success. That's a good one. Uh, success. Um, I would say this is a sentence now. Uh, go for it. With hard work breathe success exactly uh skip proser who um great man great person great coach ed cooley the man and last but certainly never least in this cosmic universe of ours that we live in called earth jeff battle humble well, that's that's all we can do. And a man such as yourself, hopefully, you know, we can be humble and not be overtly um, over the top. Well, coach, I want to say thanks again for taking the time to do this and I mean, pick in the mind of someone who, who's done it all in, in college sports. No problem. No, and I really appreciate you having me on. Of course. Well, those out there who enjoyed it, because who the heck would it? And when my guest this week, Coach Jeff Bell gets inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame down the line, you'll say, holy crap, <laughs> I should subscribe and follow back then. So subscribe, <laughs> follow, comment, share all that fun jazz, because you really want to do that. Follow on Twitter, Nolan Cart Night, and Instagram, Nolan Cart Night Show. And uh, Coach, is there anything that you'd like to share or put out there or have people look out for um, this upcoming season? Oh, I just, uh, again, I just want to say I really appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, college basketball is, is, is at an all-time high now. A lot, of, a lot of great action, a lot of great teams. Um, so everybody just appreciate the support, not only for the Friars, but, you know, throughout the country. And um, just want everybody to maintain safe, you know, with the virus and all that stuff that goes on. So everybody be safe and healthy. And um, as always, go Friars. <laughs> well, in the words of Johnny Carson, the dean of shows like this, I bid you a heartfelt good night. Till next week when we see each other again, take care.